Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon, reunited as the Holy Trinity, JB. Hello Tim. Shoe free, only fans ready. That's right. And Phil. Hello Tim. Who's battled the Derby Day traffic to, <laughs> to be here. I'm a hero. I am the real hero in this story. I, that, that's how out of the loop I've been with anything other than World Cup rugby. Tell you what. Uh, that, I, that I didn't even know the derby was on today. I had no idea. And I, <laughs> so I, I, I arrived back in Manchester. I had no clue. You're so out of the loop that I tried to talk to you about Premiership rugby. And it was like having a conversation with Todd Blackadder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to rekindling my relationship with uh, all things Premiership, Top 14, URC and all the rest of it. I, I honestly have no idea right now. Mm. Uh, well, it's all over. And I think before we continue, I'll start with a congratulations to you, Tim. What a World Cup. Built a YouTube channel. You've actually done what you said that you'd do. You watched all of the games, gone to World Cup final, and assembled thousands of an army of followers and been consistent. I think it's been very a very impressive stint. Well, on that doing what I said, said I'd do, do you ever like set goals, even if you don't know if you'll achieve them, so you stretch yourself, so you actually... Aim for something. Oh, all the time. It's, like whether it's, whether it's cutting to a certain weight or lifting a certain thing or whatever it may be. Yeah, well, yeah my life is a constant failure. <laughs> it's a constant failure. Well, <laughs> truth be told, when I started at the start of the year, I said I want ten thousand subscribers by the end of the Six Nations, twenty thousand by the start of the World Cup, and then I basically just went, uh, some, some more, and sod it, fifty thousand by the end of the World Cup. But probably where you're about, isn't it? Fifty-seven. Well done. Good wow. work. God, that's like Good extra work. ten thousand in a week, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah, not it's not far off that. Crikey! Well, well done anyway. Yeah, no, it's been it's, uh, but more to the point. It's been uh, an it's been amazing. Just the, the yeah, it's been an awesome couple of months. Memories and I've, I've never been to a World Cup game before. Unlike you guys, who went out to Tokyo. Yeah. I've never Ooh. been to a World Cup game before this World Cup. And I saw Samoa Japan in '95 or something. And you were, you went to? Didn't you go to? a... One of the semi-finals in 2007. I did. I went uh, to sorry, the quarter-finals. Oh, you were, at the, the, you were at the France-New-Zealand one. That's the one. Yeah. The Dussetois test. That, no. Yeah, no. Yes. The Dussetois 30 tackles or whatever it was. The, no, because was that not the final? No, no, that was 2007 quarter-final. That was the quarter-final. Quarter-final. In, in Cardiff. In Cardiff. Yeah, in yeah. Cardiff. Yeah. Yes. France, that was because France was supposed to get a home about Paris 
quarterfinal, but they lost to Argentina in the opening game. They did. Mm. Yes, they did. You were at one of the great Rugby World Cup games. It didn't feel great at the time, you know. <laughs> like, like it wasn't an intense match. It was very much smash and grab. Uh, All Blacks were on top for most of the game, and then right at the end, I think Jojon breaks and scores. And maybe it's Elisa, I can't remember. But it definitely involved Jojon. Mm. My favourite players of all time. And well, Dusatois was heroic in that well, Shall we just start with Dusatois for the World Cup final breakdown? Well, yeah, I, and I would just say, because it, it leads in nicely, is uh, much like you now, however many years it is, 16 years on, we, we can talk and you can say you were at one of the, the most memorable Rugby World Cup games. I do feel like that's one of the things I was kind of aware of. Well, as I was watching Sia Khaleesi lift the trophy for a second time, I was thinking, oh my God. This is well, th- this is one of those things people are going to talk about. It's peak and rugby, I, and I'm actually here. Yeah, peak rugby. Yeah, yeah. amazing. But yeah, Dussetois, Peter Steftatoy. Is that is that oh is that the parallel? Word. You're that is a perform. I mean, it might have not been the best game of the World Cup. But that might be the best performance of the World Cup, though. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, just, I think he was. There were some really good performances um, from both sides. He was head and shoulders above anyone else on that, I, that pitch. I can't remember seeing a player play that well, ever. Ever he, in my life. Did he play the full 80 as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Because yeah. he was still smashing people yeah. in, the, in the full 80. He actually, he actually missed the tackle that led to the turnover on 79 and a half minutes. Like, we've always spoken about this guy as one of the best players in the world, particularly about... Say three years ago, because he's gone through some injuries, but he was definitely one. Well, uh, he, he won player, he won World Player of the Year 2019 when they won yeah. the World Cup, and he's sort of that guy. This World Cup, who's been sort of in the shadows, threatening to be great again. Well, he was great in that fir- in the first game against Scotland for South Africa. Yep. He was brilliant then, but like you say, he ha- he has been by his own ha- very very high standards. Yeah, seven Not- out of tens, eight out of tens, exactly. Yeah, and then he just went off. He just went. Uh, so Deuce Tom might have got thirty odd tackles. I don't know. Exactly what what the number was. I don't know how many Peter Steff the toy twenty eight, but the difference was the size of the tackles. Oh, yeah, that was the difference. There were so many big hits. One on Geordie Barrett, wasn't it? There were, there were, on Geordie Barrett. Barrett. There was about eight on Geordie <laughs> yeah, Barrett. It, it, was, it was honestly like he, like he was at, at every point in the game. He'd been told just stand opposite Geordie Barrett and smash him. That, that may well have legitimately been a tactic. And Geordie Barrett, he is a big boy. Uh, and he carries hard, but he does because he's so tall, because he's 6'5", he carries quite upright, and he presents this big target for uh, Peter Steftatoy just time after time again, just yeah. nailed him. If you want to talk about rugby values, right, and uh, what do corporations want rugby for, and they, you, know, you list all the values which have nothing to do with the game, the values that embody rugby to me was that effort by Peter Steftatoy. Yeah. Whatever that you can describe that is, that is it. If your brand wants those values, you need to be sponsoring rugby today uh, yeah and i would e- i would equally say geordie barrett because he got yeah, he absolutely great. annihilated he got <laughs> he got took like four or five of the biggest hits of the whole tournament yeah. in this game and i he got smashed I mean, and kept getting back up geordie barrett always looks like he has time on the ball and i kind of thought after <laughs> this game maybe people are affording him time on the ball <laughs> not as he game. had no time at all not he had a great game. he had a great game uh, he'll, he'll reflect on the kick and feel bad about that but um what can you do yeah that that uh, you're right there was there was something in the south african psyche that just was like they are they were not going to lose and the attitude mm. of Peter Steftatoy was one thing because it's one thing being qu- big quick all the rest of it but it was that was that was attitude wasn't it this kick chase and the attitude the other thing that i think was like I don't know any other team that would have that would have done that. Is stopping Rico Ioane score that try? 
That's yeah, a, such a good point. That is a great point. I mean, he point. is... He's one of the great players. He's one of the great players of all time, probably, Rico Yorni. When it all finishes, they'll, they'll say, that is a great centre. And at this point, at this moment in time, if you were to pick someone to finish, you'd probably pick him. And he couldn't get in the corner. You couldn't, because was it... Kurt Lorenzo. Lorenzo, yeah. That was some effort. And it, it was it's a hell of a play to get him there because Bowden Barrett, it's like a miss two. It was a, a Finn Russell-esque where it was a miss two, but put him completely into the space. So um, Rico Iwani hit that ball at absolute full pace, gunning for the corner, and Aranci gets across. Now, I think I've got one problem with Rico Iwani, how he... Um, Do you have the ball in the wrong hand? He put the ball in the wrong hand. Yeah. He put the ball in his right hand going for the left corner, which meant he had no chance for a fend. But even so, it was a hell of a cover tackle from Aranza. Yeah, it's incredible that he didn't get or, in. Or even ball in two hands and dive. And like re- slide. So you can reach, slide, dive, whatever. But I mean, yeah. but again, just to, to circle back the, the absolute effort, I don't think any other team stops him from scoring. No. Yeah. Just the, whether it's the athletic ability but it's the athletic ability and the attitude of South Africa yes I love I, I love this South Africa team I love it so, I love how the coaches take risks like they're not consensus thinkers they're god not, they took some risks as well yeah, oh my and, goodness yeah and I don't know if in fact I'll fire this over to you boys what did you think of the team selection when you saw Pollard in the, in the squad uh, Pollard I thought it was the right thing to do yeah um, 100% I thought the 7-1 split was a, obviously a risk Having yep. one nine, obviously a risk. I, I thought the seven one split with Vili Larue being the one, mm. and not either Grant Williams, who can cover nine and the back three, or yep. what I probably would have done, Marnie Libock, who can cover everywhere except nine. Yeah, and he could probably do a job at nine yeah, as well. He probably could. Uh, so it was it was bold, but I mean, when you actually, it's easy to just go, oh yeah, South Africa have got the best players that they've got great depth. In, yeah, they do, but also they had a thirty eight year old. Yeah, hooker who wasn't a hooker who made his debut like eight months ago. They are not afraid of making big decisions and backing themselves. 100%. And just basically, what is he saying? Um, slaying sacred cows. What's the sacred cow? Anyway, point, point point is whatever the consensus thinking is, they they don't really care. They just pick what they think is best for that team. Yeah, and much in the way as uh, what was the guy Billy. The Moneyball fella with the Oakland Billy days. Bean. Billy Bean. Much as the way Billy Bean sort of led the way for what everyone else will copy. You know the next four-year cycle. And South Africa, I'm sure that they'll be on to the next thing, but Steve Borthwick will have probably hired someone to look into battle stats. Mm. Andy Farrell will be battle looking. battle stats just interventions, though? Uh, yeah, but whatever it is. But they'll be looking. They will look at South Africa and go, what What? What, what have they just done? Because you, it, some of their selections don't make sense. The hooker position does, doesn't make sense. It does, doesn't it? Because... How many amateur armchair pundits and coaches like us say silly things like, just get a back road to cover hooker? It's not difficult. And South Africa, actually, it's not well, difficult, is yeah, it? And he made 20 odd tackles. Yeah, he was very good. Really, really good. You know, how many coaches will say, you know, the consensus thinking is, oh, we don't, oh, we don't pick players that are past it or too old, or we're building for the next cycle? You know, would Dion Ferry even be in the squad for Wales or no? It's certainly not England. No, certainly not England. definitely not England. No, definitely not England. But here's one thing on on that selection that I find this is what I find so impressive about South Africa and part of the reason why I think they're world champions is if you remember a few years ago with that the the, the Italian Fox defence that yeah, yeah the laws had to be changed for because England couldn't work it out as the game was happening they couldn't work out what to do with it. Dion Ferry came on after a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. 
and straight away without it without even having to make calls and stuff the whole team suddenly they were they were keeping the kicks in field when they had line outs they were taking them quickly they were doing yeah they were getting the line out set really early so they could just throw it before New it's Zealand was set it's the easiest thing in the world it's so simple but that's just in rugby intelligence and intellect. Mm. And I don't know whether they go through all of that or whether these are just really smart rugby players that they just I, intuitively know to do that. I suspect it's more of the former, as in Razzie was saying, right, if this happens, you then know, we I do that. I think it is... And Jack as so, well, mm. not to... Uh, uh, I'm talking about amateur line-outs, because this is obviously mm. directly applicable to South Africa. Yeah, of course it is. But um, it depends how you how you coach, coach line-out. So, for instance, in... Talk H, we have a big emphasis on getting to the line out quickly. So we never start a line out static. That means that we never start lined up. You always have to run into a line out. And as soon as the line out is finished, you have to run 10 metres and then come back. And you do sh- shuttles every, every time. So that just like tiny thing means you're always thinking about getting in, 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 in the line quick. It would not surprise me if South Africa are always thinking we are the first to the line because mm-hmm. it demonstrates our fitness, it demonstrates that we want it more than them, it allows us to set up quicker, it allows us to see what their formation is, and just that simple thing of running back back and forth really sets that mindset. would not surprise me one bit. And, uh, South Africa oddly, it was New Zealand's line out that didn't function because, again, rugby intelligence, South Africa just stacked middle and back and went, have the front, have the front all you want, knowing that New Zealand like have got incredible backs they want good ball, but they were like, no, we're not giving you good ball. We'll give you easy ball to the front. And when New Zealand did try and throw it to the middle and back, yeah, they got, they, got pinched. And they were all over yeah, it. Yeah. Smart. Simple and smart. It was. It was um, a bit of a masterclass in that regard from South Africa. Um, it is also worth mentioning that Pollard in the last two games, and indeed actually South Africa in the last two games, 100% kick rate. Mm-hmm. New Zealand had two shots uh, so they had four shots they got two of them they missed two of them they get one of those two shots um the uh who was it was it Moonga who took the conversion from the touchline and Geordie Barrett from a long way out yeah um and, and they turned other kicks down i know they turned kickable Which, uh, that's the bit i couldn't they, get my there head was around one before they scored the two tries the disallowed one um that arguably should have been allowed and the allowed one that arguably should have been disallowed uh, before that they turned down a kickable 10 metres from to the right of the sticks 30 metres out but for Moonga or Jordy Barrett an easily kickable one mm. they turned it down turned down three points which they lost the, the line or they lost the ball turned it over very shortly after kicking for the corner so that's not a good um, good return rate we love our in high skill tens, rapid feet, footwork, incredible handling and stuff. Do we World Cups? Well, no, but <laughs> right, okay, sorry. we do. Uh, okay, it's just true. Like the think of the the last World Cup cycle has been basically one four year story in England of England fans wanting Marcus Smith to have the ten shirt and Owen Farrell mm. to be nowhere near the England team. Yes, actually, when it comes to a World Cup, <laughs> it's quite handy having a ninety percent goal kicker and someone mm. and someone who's quite robust. And South Africa have now won two World Cups with a guy that's a 90% goal kicker. And uh, and whether it's um, France, mm. New Zealand... It, well, my, my, the only my thing I would say... a good kicker, that wasn't what, wasn't what cost them. Anyway. Yeah, the only thing I would say is, it's hard to know the counterfactual, isn't it? Because yeah. they got to that final, courtesy, not all of Marnie Libbock, but he's done very well. Oh, no, he's been great. And... 
this was what I was going to say when I asked you about the pick. I thought this was the first time that South Africa went back to um, you know the like the groupthink of what rugby should be because they have gone very far with this guy Mon Libbock ripping people to pieces. And I wonder if I mean, you could tell a story of South Africa being able to, to score a couple of tries against New Zealand rather than relying on, on on the kick. Now I don't know if that would happen or not, but. Yeah, that's one of the things I was disappointed about, that South Africa went away from what got them there. And I wondered if that roll of the dice would have backfired. It was hammering down. It was? It, they, they played the conditions, just like England last week played the conditions better than South Africa. South Africa played the conditions mm. better than New Zealand. I mean, fair play. Both teams actually tried to play and get to the edge quite a lot. I think, and I'd be interested to know what you reckon, but I think it was the selection was almost an acknowledgement from South Africa. We have had to go through the ringer just to get to the final and this is this is the way that we can win because mm. they were on running on fumes at the end <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. hanging on and, yeah. and i think it is uh, the the consequence and of the they've played the other five teams in the top six in the world that's it, how you win world cups it's isn't the, it? it's, well, They're legit not, champions well, no it's not normally how you no, no no what this is i think there's an argument to say this is the hardest World Cup win any team's ever had to put together. Yeah, I think you, you're, well, you're probably right. Yeah, I think that's un- and, undeniable, really. And to win the, the three knockout games by one point, each game by one point when is England remarkable. Won, when England won the World Cup, you would say there's maybe two teams that could challenge them. Um, and if you look at every team that's won the World Cup since that time to maybe this year, the amount of teams that were challenging the best. I mean, when the All Blacks went against Australia eight years ago, that Australian team was expected to lose. Yeah, yeah. And they, that whole and really the final yeah. was the final was the semi final against South Africa, wasn't it? For, yeah, I don't remember yeah. it. But that, but that was even that was a South Africa team that lost to Japan. Yeah, correct. And it was an England team that had gone out in the pool stages, and it was an aging Australia team that limped to the final. Wales were one of the best teams in the tournament. They weren't. They went out in the semi didn't they, to. Uh, to uh, no, that, was one to, that was the walk up to France and went out in the semi. So France got to the final and it was like six nine or something. Yeah, who was this? Anyway, it can't have been Australia because no. they were they were in the pool with them. So yeah, it was. I, I remember watching it in Bath. So whenever we went to Bath to watch yep. Harlequins versus Bath, yes, I remember that. We, was it Wales, South Africa in the quarters, and then South Africa, New Zealand in the no. semi? No, oh, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Mm. Anyway, whatever happened, it must have been. Whatever happened, the, the point was, usually the winners have been the heavy favourites throughout, throughout the tournament. So in the, that year, it was. The 2007 was an interesting one, because the heavy favourites were New Zealand, who lost to France in the quarters. And then yes. France lost to England, who were the m- massive underdogs. And then it got to the final, and it was South Africa were, at that stage, heavy favourites, because, well, they put 40 points on England six weeks earlier. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the hardest World Cup that's ever, that's ever been run. run and, really. and with that bearing in mind, they've now won back-to-back. They're the only team, though, that's won back-to-back without a home World Cup. Mm. 2011 was in New Zealand. So where does... And they've and in between World Cups, they won a Lions series. Yep. So is this the greatest international rugby team ever? I, I feel it's not, weirdly. I don't know why. I mean, they're a very, very good team. I think some of the all-black teams of about a decade ago were probably better. But I don't know why, because it, the reason I say that is because although South Africa have got the accolades and the trophies, I just feel that, that 
All Blacks team was absolutely dominant. I don't like saying that, but they were absolutely dominant. There again, maybe South Africa are not absolutely dominant because everyone else is so good. So, so yeah. maybe, they are, maybe they are the best. So I, I think there are two things at play. I think there is exactly the point that you yeah. just mentioned there where because the overall standard is definitely better than it was eight years ago. I think, I think unquestionably there are more teams operating at a higher level than there were eight years ago. So I think that's one part of it, and that that plays into this South Africa team's favour. That that is a um, a card in their deck. The other thing is, I think that other teams have had more talent than this South Africa team. I think it's. I'd actually possibly even argue that it's less talented overall than the team four years ago, which means that the uh, cohesion that they've got and the teamwork and. They, this team is more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, you're which, right. Which is, that again is perhaps a, an even greater accolade to the leadership across the team, because there's not just one leader. Khaleesi is a great leader, but there are a lot of leaders in that team. And the coaching. Um, coaching has superb. Yeah. Coaching's been, that, maybe the coaching is the best that it, we've seen. Could, I do think they are bringing more out of that team they're, that team are overperforming. Well, it's the ideas, and maybe you do need, as we called him the other day, um, a dickhead like <laughs> Razi, who doesn't care what anyone thinks, in order to get these results. Yeah, disagreeable traits. Yeah, yeah. But like, maybe this is exactly what you need because I'm not sure anyone else is doing that they're, because they're afraid of being laughed out. Of maybe you need the guy who doesn't care about dancing on Twitter and looking like an absolute prat because he clearly doesn't care what people think. So, what does it matter if he picks a, you know, eight zero bench or something? Yeah, seven one. Or only has two hookers in the squad and one of them gets injured and you don't replace him with a hooker. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. Back to the... Are they on fumes? I think one of the reasons for that is the makeup of their bench. Because for me, when you replace a guy like... Well, you, it was Etzebeth last week. I think this week Etzebeth went off slightly later. Mostart went off early. But when you have a bench like theirs, yeah. you are effectively incentivizing people to play hard. You're, you're saying you've got a 40-minute game, so you better act like you've got a 40-minute game. I think they're on fumes because the exertion that they put on the team is just so great. I don't think anyone plays like that, actually. Mm. You think about the Island game, the opening 40 minutes of that, I've never, ever seen tennis like it. It is, so, it is interesting. I couldn't, I couldn't not watch some of the hits uh, Eben Etzebeth was putting in in that first half and not think, oh my God, he's playing like a guy that only knows he's playing... 40 minutes 50 minutes (laughs) devastating when they don't take take you off though (laughs) (laughs) well hang on wait well it wasn't quite as prescriptive as maybe the last couple like Sia Khaleesi stayed on for a bit longer well there was the there was the Simbin that was part of that yeah um, in fact, can we just cover off those yes. big moments? So, so, we, so we've got the we've got the try disallowed, the try allowed. Um, now, I uh, I was thinking about this today. I haven't watched rugby except for the odd game of where I've VPNed uh, the odd ITV game when I've been able to. But generally speaking, other than maybe one or two occasions, I haven't had any commentary on any rugby. Yeah, yeah. In the last two months for the whole yeah. World Cup, and it's a totally different experience. So I, what, I generally prefer with no commentary. So I often watch without commentary anyway, yeah. except if Nick Mullins is commentary. Yes, yeah, so Nick Mullins was commentary, so I had the, to have it on. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to make sure I get it. But I don't know whether it's only available in stadiums, but there is an app where you can get the ref, the ref link. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you want to do that at home, have the ref link but no comms, you know, the wonderful Nick Mullins aside. then um, And Mar- I love Miles Harrison as well. Anyway, doesn't do you know, matter. Actually, the, the comms have been good. The in-game comms have been good. The 
the studio stuff has been woeful at times. <laughs> oh, yeah. So two things I want to mention, actually, right? Yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this for a second, right? Johnny Wilkinson, Bruno Driscoll, get your act together. Oh, absolute, absolute disgrace. Um, it is the World Cup final of an institution that made you all your money, gave you your reputation, gave you everything in life, and you've not worn a suit and tie to the final. I think that is a disgrace. And, and let me just say, how do you think Nick Mullins was dressed? Suit and tie. He, he had a tie on, and he, he, and he was not on screen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least have a tie. So this is why... Tom, Tom Foley was in a suit. Yeah, fair play to him. I noticed that. That's a real... Because when you wear that suit and tie, right, what you're saying is you, you respect the institution, and when you decide to dress up all trendy, what you're saying is my comfort and individuality and, you know, my image is more important than the thing that made me. You're doing it out of respect for the thing that you're... You are in such privileged position... For a sport that got you in the position to start with, you wear a suit and tie. That is the end of it. It's like the Premiership Final. All the B- BT Sports sport lot all wear a tie. And that is just a bit of respect. You want to talk about rugby values and respect? Wear a tie. George Gregan looked great. Sean Fitzpatrick looked great. Um, Brian Habana had a tie on, I think. It's not difficult, boys. Wear a tie. Wear a tie. So that I, being, I agree with that. Yeah, that's my little rant. You don't have to do it through the group stages. You might not even have to do it for the, for, for the semis. But when it's the final... Different kettle of fish altogether. I, I, I wouldn't. I'd be disappointed if there was no pocket square. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. So that's uh, my little rant on that. Now, cards. So I think finally we've got a, a classic example of the laws failing us as a sport. So if we're to believe the people that put these in place, which of course we don't, because <laughs> you know they're bureaucrats, they're not really <laughs> sports people. But this Orwellian idea, we must change behaviour. When you're in the World Cup final and the two men, one from each side, who've been picked because they represent the most wholesome values of the sport, for each nation get, ye- get yellow carded, they did not do that because they behave badly, because they're you know, individuals that want to get yellow carded because they're reckless. These are the two most responsible, iconic players on either side and they're both getting carded. One of them ha- has a red card. They would do. They would definitely cards according to the law, laws of the game. No problem. The laws need to be changed because if those guys are getting cards, it means it's unavoidable. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that because look at look at some of the hits that say Etzebeth or the 28 hits that Peter Stefter Toy put totally in. Agree. They they did something different. Like yeah. you 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 can do something different. You can do something different, right? But when we talk about changing behaviour, when the two captains go, and it could have been. Um, was there a third incident? Uh, Frizzell... Frizzell got Ciela, but was that for a high? Well, no, see, that, was a, the, that was like a rule. Well, this is where I was going to get a bit of clar- clarity, because well, we can we can briefly go through them, but we can get a bit of clarity, because I didn't hear any comms. So on the Frizzell, which was the first one, I assume that was for a neck roll, but apparently it was because he fell on his leg. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't hear any comms. All, it, I, all I saw were the pictures. It was like, oh, that's a, so that, that, that's a neck roll. So that was it was a weird one, because it... I wouldn't really describe it as a net rule. It was it was given for um, not supporting his body weight, as in, yeah. like you've got to support your body weight when you go into a rut. You can't, what, yeah, deliberately. You so, can't go off your feet. It was so. So was he given a yellow card because Mbappe got injured? Yes. Basically, it, yes. It was now just, this, that, this is, I don't like that. It was I know, an outcome card. It was a hundred percent an outcome card. Mm. Now, that I I do have a problem with that because either either he's targeted the lower leg. In which case it should be a red card. Yeah, but he fell on it. Yeah, he he just lost the collision mm. and then rolled, like rolled over 
Badambi. Now, I think there was a, a little bit of an attempt at a crop roll, but he certainly wasn't, it, from what I, I saw... I just assumed it was a crop roll. He yeah. wasn't targeting the lower leg. No, the, the explanation was something like, he's not targeted the leg, but he has fallen on the leg. So I get the yeah. best description oh. I can give. Oh, oh in, but a, that in, point, in a dynamic sport where yeah. the body's being yeah. thrown over, someone falls on something, but that come point, on. At that point, Barnsley had already given the yellow card, therefore the, the bunker has no opportunity to um, rescind the yellow card, right, even okay. though I think in some instances, I've said it before, I, they perhaps should overturn it. The only way I can look at this is in the terms of in terms of a yellow card for a tackle, if you've not got control of your body, that's why you went high. So there's no point in saying, oh, I couldn't help it. Well, then you can't help it, you don't have control. If you're falling on someone's leg and causing damage, maybe you can't, you were, you were out of control, therefore it's reckless, and the outcome has been bad. But yeah, had Mbadambi got bounced up and jogged on, Fine. They would, nothing, nothing would have happened. happened. Nothing would yeah, have in happened. the same way that yeah. if you're completely out of control in a tackle and the other guy doesn't act, you know, dip suddenly and you smash into his chest, nothing happens. Now, there was an interesting thing just on the uh, the Umbanambi injury. The fact Because uh, I, I think I was messaging into a WhatsApp group just saying, Umban- uh, after about 55 minutes, I was saying, Bongi Umbanambi is warming up. Yeah. Yeah. And we heard, uh, well, you guys heard, because I actually got from you on WhatsApp because I wasn't listening. But I got from me, I was like, well, he's clearly injured. Well, but, so Sam Orbiton yeah. said, I don't know why there's not an independent doctor here for this, right? And I think Sam is 100% wrong. It is fine to have a tactical substitution if somebody's not playing well. And if that's because of injury, fine. You can be hurt without being injured. And we definitely don't need an independent doctor to adjudicate this. So I think it's fine to take off Benambi because he's not as effective with his injury but that doesn't mean he can't go back on. I mean, he could play on if he want if he wanted. Well, so I agree with you in principle. Yeah, but that's not how the law is written at the moment. And I, this is this is a law I would change because this highlighted the absurdity of it. So right now, so if a player goes off because they're injured, they cannot go back on, which meant that two minutes in less than two minutes into a World Cup final, it was he was not marked as an injured player. It was marked. It had to be marked, therefore, as a tactical substitution. Yeah, well, you which can understand ha- which, that because at the very least, you've got like that, well, we've got an hour to try and yeah, get yeah, him yeah. ready yeah, to yeah. play. But that yeah, highlights, but that highlights the stupidity of it. That no one, no one tactically takes off their their only starting <laughs> hooker two minutes into a World Cup final. <laughs> but, but, but you know, but you I, would though, wouldn't you? If he was, if he's in, yeah, yeah, if he's struggling to play. If yeah. he had a slight arm injury and he couldn't quite throw in, right? But otherwise, was okay. Well, so, 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 the fa- so the fact he's a front rower means I think it's kind of like just let it. Well, one, it was it was foul play that led to it, mm-hmm. or uh, foul play in the eyes of the law, um, as was given on the field. And the second thing that he's a front rower where players can come on to replace injured players. I think it doesn't kind of matter. The interesting one would have been what, if it was if it was the, Peter yeah. Steph to toy. Do you know? I think that example. might be the thing or which they do. Andre Pollard or Andre Pollard. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think this might be the thing they do, right? So the injury thing must be for must be for front rows because they want front rows coming on and off. They don't want to stop the game because yeah, I'd love to hear if that's clarified. If the same thing had happened to Andre Pollard, would he have been allowed to have come on and taken a 79th minute kick? Well, well that's me, that's Bloodgate going back to quite, Harlequins. Exactly. I think more than ten be, years ago, everyone should be a tactical substitution, with the exception of concussion. Uh, yeah, the, the only problem with that, including compound breaks, <laughs> because I, obviously he's clearly injured. But if he wants to stay on the field, yeah, well, I think, fine. well, I think Phil was just sort of um, nudging towards the issue with that, which is that you could get people. Oh, oh I've just pulled up. Oh, my knee hurts on seventy nine minutes when we got a penalty in kicking range. 
Yeah, and and you would get it would be abused. So where it comes into the fore is not in the second minute. It's later on in the game where a player um, basically needs a rest. Is is underperforming. So particularly if someone's come on and is underperforming, and you've not got a regular substitute left, but you could bring back someone who's gone on earlier or take off someone who's already come on. And you, it it yeah. the reason this is here is to stop it being like interchanges. Yeah. But there must be a better well, way of doing it. Nobody can come on the field. Nobody can come on the field, in my mind, except for blood, concussion, concussion. Yeah. and front rows. Yes. So with that's, Pollard... That's how it should be. You'd have yeah. to fail a concussion. Well, yeah, well, so, so this is what well, I'm that's, saying. That's why... Has anyone tried cutting so, players? So this that's is what why the blood capsules... So yeah, this is what we're saying. Are, are we therefore saying that the, the, the Umbanambi situation is unique because he was a front rower and that wouldn't have been the case. The same thing wouldn't have been mapped onto a, another player. No, I player. think the difference between for Benambi is not that part of the equation but the other part of coming back on. So all Dion Free needs to say is I've hurt my neck and no one in their right mind is going to risk a player's neck in order to make Dion Free play on. And he can say that and he doesn't need any clarification or I, any tests. I, by the way, Benambi was mo- he looked like he was moving quite well. So I, I was thinking, oh, this, is, this could be a controversial... Thing, but actually, South Africa didn't bring him back on. I'm really glad they yeah. didn't. Which player on their debut had five minutes at the start and five minutes at the end? Started and finished. Uh, was it like? Hmm. Uh, what in a what, what sort of scale of game? International. 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 On Can you tell which team? England. On debut. Debut. Started five five minutes and finished the last five minutes. Is it a front rower? No, it's not. Hmm. Future uh, England captain <laughs> George Martin? No, no, no. Sorry, he's oh, already right. been in England. He's captain. already been in England, captain. but he was okay. He's now retired. Okay. Okay. Phil Vickery? Nope. Uh, Martin Corrie. I'm just going through them all. Martin Johnson? Nope. Uh, Jason what? Robinson? Nope. Johnny Wilkinson? Nope. Name all the captains over the last 10 years. Chris Robshaw? No. Faz? No. Cup Big Court? No. Amazing Gen- second. <laughs> no. Amazing what a second row is that have captained the, the team, though. Hmm. Any more for any more? Are the second rows for England that have captained the country? Who what are the second row? You said Johnson, you said Corrie. Marrow has captained England once, has he? Not him. I don't think he has. I don't think it's Captain Material either. Mm. Oh, we, yeah, that's another thing we need to talk about. I don't know. We'll give up. Steve Borthwick. Oh, oh. really? <laughs> yeah. Steve Borthwick came on, got a blood injury, and it's before they changed the laws, you've got to be stitched up in, in 10 minutes, and bought him off the whole, <laughs> the whole thing, basically, and brought him back on for the last, for last five. So he's having, like, uh, surgery for the best part of an hour. I have no idea. Maybe his replacement came on was great. I, I can't remember <laughs> why they kept him off, but they, but they did. Just on Mario, did you hear the press conference this week for the England team? Um, not, not, oh, not one with Mario. God, it was painful. So, this online abuse narrative, which just never shuts up, right? <laughs> um, the they all sat there in the press conference, and Mario's like, "We're just so proud of Tom, how he's dealt with it with courage, and he's gone through all the right channels." I was like, "Grow up!" He was called a name. He was called a name. 
Right, he's a big boy. No, 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 I don't think he was referring to the name. He's referring to the, the, the uh, online abuse. The turn, online abuse. Just turn off. Well, y- yeah. I mean, I, look, I've been but like, like it, personally. I'm, I actually, I actually think, for what it's worth, that's exactly what Tom Curry would have done. I don't think it would. I don't think it would have stuff directed at him would have phased him. But it's just catastrophization, but, isn't no, it? No, no. But when, but I, I, I think the, where it would affect Tom Curry, I'm just thinking it. He wouldn't. He would just go, yeah, whatever. I honestly think he wouldn't care. He's an impressive bloke. Mm. But I think if his mum got upset, that would start to bother him. If yeah. mum was getting yeah. worried and on his behalf. I think you've got a point there, which is like, it's always friends and family that get yeah. more upset. Yeah. But they get upset with what's in the paper. They get upset with what's been said on TV. They get upset with substitutions. They get upset with fans in the crowd. They get upset. I mean, I'm sure that if the Farrells weren't such a rugby-focused family, and you know, particularly Farrell Senior, he's been on the end of a lot. You know, you want to talk about real abuse. You try pl- playing Wigan St. Helens on bloody uh, Good Friday. Well, uh, you know, Fa- Andy real Farrell's, abuse. Andy Farrell spoke up just before the World Cup in a press conference and said... He did, actually. And, and, and spoke up and just said uh, the way Owen's being treated by people I just it, think it's that disgraceful. If you think about... I'll just go back to rugby league, actually. Like, the atmosphere, like, the... Sort of the visceral hatred between those teams and the tribalism. I mean, that is real, actual anger directed t- towards players. And it, the problem with social media is you make up half it in your head. Like, you just do. So, so for the, I mean, for the England team to sit there and just start talking about courage, courage is not social media. Courage is playing rugby. I just hate this. Uh, they're always making it out to be worse than it actually is. I, I, re- <laughs> I read a post on um, another social media site. LinkedIn of all things, talking about referees, and this is on like the Rugby Union page or whatnot, talking about how the pressure and the abuse, we all need to be kinder. It's like this industry where we manufacture problems so someone else can sell you the solution for, sell you the, sell you the solution for them. Rugby is rife with it. it. It was a name, right? Some people got upset. We can all move on now. Well, actually, I, I, just, I, just let's draw a line under that point by just saying that I think World Rugby, again, haven't t- dealt with that well at all. And Transparency. Lack of transparency. Lack of transparency. Well, I just hope that they're all dealt with like this, because the way that World Rugby dealt with this incident is like, basically how I'd like them to deal with all incidents like this. Just, okay, something happened, we can't prove it, let's all move on. Now, okay. if that's a consistent standard, I'm all for it. Yeah. It's when there'll be... I mean, this won't be the consistent standard. If... It was said by a different player, then I think there'd be a proper witch hunt. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't actually disagree that it. It would have been nice to get a bit more transparency as to actually what yeah. they'd investigated exactly. and what, Just, what they'd that, found. That's all they need to say. But in the in the run up to a World Cup final, I, I always. My expectation was nothing would happen. Therefore, yeah, they right. just f- fulfilled my expectation, and good. We, we move on. Imagine if he couldn't. I mean, actually, as it happened, he didn't play. Much. He did. Yeah, right. yeah. But it was immaterial. For my for my money, one of the best players in the tournament. I could not care less. What I know. We, we said this last time. Let's talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about these decisions. We've, we've dealt. We dealt with one. Yeah. yeah. So the first the first one, the Frizzell one. Yeah. Uh, very sad to see Bongi go off after yeah. two minutes. Oh yeah. But yeah. it was. Um, Outcome-based decision, I think. Yeah, I think I think that is right because mm. you. So you can't. Um, you go support your body weight. You can't collapse uh, on a rook, but collapsing a rook isn't a red card offence. 
Like it, it's just it's just an unfortunate rugby incident when injury happens. So it was it to me read as outcome based. And, and before we go but go on, I just want to preface this whole conversation by just saying I thought Wayne Barnes was excellent. Mm. I didn't hear the, the the TMO interaction, but w- what I have heard from people is that uh, that we, we've turned the dial all kinds of wrong on the the power of the TMO has, and he was in Wayne Barnes's ear too much. Mm. That's what some people have said. Yeah, you let's have. get onto that in a minute. Yeah, let's go say, through so, them sequentially. So, but, but so what I was going to say is, uh, my perspective was Wayne Barnes was really good, and uh, any suggestion that any refereeing decision was the cause of one team winning or not is complete bollocks. So let's just let's yes. just say that. But but have yep. a discussion about the decision. So what's next? So the next one sequentially was Sam Keane. Uh which is a red card like application of the laws as yeah. I, apply them consistently. It's direct contact with the head, uh with force and no mitigating circumstances, therefore it's a red card. And it's it's been consistent broadly for that kind of stuff throughout the tournament. There's been a couple of like awkward head clashes where it's not, but I think it was the right call. I don't think it changed the tra- trajectory of the game. Mm. Um, the minute that uh, it was upgraded to a red card, that was the minute that South Africa scored their last points of the game. Because yeah. Pollard, on 34 minutes, seven minutes after Sam Kane went off, he slotted the fourth and final South Africa penalty. So in with um, a man down for... Uh, well, Sam Kane off for 50 minutes plus 50 so they minutes. So half an hour with a man fewer. Yeah. Um, New Zealand scored eight to South Africa's... Three in played, that period they, of time. They played better as well. They did actually play. Now South Africa also had two yeah. men in the bin yeah. during that period, but yeah, it didn't. I don't think that changes. If if anything, no. it gave New Zealand the kick up the arse yeah. to, to. Well, New Zealand and South Africa are similar in one respect, which is their captains probably don't deserve to be in the back row. <laughs> I, mean, I really think I don't agree with that. So do you, I think? Well, who would you who would you pick instead? Frank for, Smith. No, no, who would you pick instead for New Zealand? Oh, that's a good question. I don't really know his answer. I, I just don't feel that Sam Kane is the best back rower in New Zealand. No, well, he's not. Yet. Ardy Savier is, but... I, I, I mean, Ardy's a great captain. I mean, he really is a great captain. I, I, and Ardy may move across to seven in the next couple of years. The answer is... I back to seven. Yeah. Back to he's, seven. He's played. Yeah. Back to seven. He can play. I mean, the honest answer to this question is I don't know enough about New Zealand back rowers to say it's got to be that guy, that guy, or, or that guy. I do know they have an awful lot of them and they're not hard to find. Yeah. And Sam Kane doesn't impress me enough on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I, I thought the, these two He's been two really games, good this year. Yeah. Yeah, he's been actually in the last rugby championship. And again, that, that Ireland performance was, was a career-defining moment for him. It's such a shame. Do you don't think the red card in the World well, Cup yeah, might be yeah. career-defining? <laughs> Unfortunately so, which is really harsh on him. Because yeah, I, I, I can't help but feel sorry for well, any player that was, that was in that oh. situation. Because you talk about, yeah, changing behaviour. He It was... It's the, 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 the margins are so small and he's... Oh, it was. He, it is so small. He, he wasn't reckless. He wasn't um, careless. He just got well, it slightly wrong. Yeah, and I think I would say he was reckless by uh, the definition. Yeah, I think it's, but it's they should be limited to yellow cards from now on. Well, uh, the yellow card I can get on at, board. At the, at the very least, I, I genuinely think looking at this, there's an argument for not having a man down. Like take the like maybe maybe the player you're out the game, but you keep it at fifteen fifteen. So did you? Yeah, excuse me. So I referenced um, an interview with John Dobson on Science of Sport podcast, mm-hmm. Ross Tucker, a couple of weeks ago. He mentioned this. He said he was at one of the, um, you know, the conferences where 
JB, you hate it. Yes. World Rugby gets all of the... Or they get a select choice of players, coaches, referees, everyone else, to discuss law changes, what goes well, what why, goes why, badly. Why weren't we invited to that? We so, sadly we, not... We've had some great ideas. Not yet, but maybe one day. Yeah. But do you know what... So John Dobson, coach of the Stormers, said... Uh, in one of these that he attended, where Jacques Nienaber and Joe Schmidt and others, um, including international captains, were there, do you know the reason why um, coaches, um, coaches in particular, I think, and players, didn't want to remove red cards as a, you are gone, you are out? No, go on. So they want to benefit from it. Oh wow! So they don't what? they don't see themselves getting red cards. Yeah, oh it's, opti- love it. it's optimism bias. Yeah, it's, it's, it was it was like a it was an absolutely fascinating moment for me because it's they a- but like in South Africa's instance where Jacques Nienaber has like, he's been spoken about before Jacques Nienaber, um biomechanics is something he's very good at as a former physio um, and obviously rugby player and high level coach and he's coach some of the biggest men in the world to tackle low generally they are one of the general beneficiaries of yellow cards and red cards yeah they are That's so great it like these guys don't actually want to get rid of the red card because they think they're, go- they're going to be the ones to benefit and do you from know, it this works so well for them because they are so physical teams have got to start taking risks to stop them that's when you get careless that's when you sometimes sw- switch off from your systems and, and whatnot or your technique goes it's absolutely right, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely right. It's, I mean, it's not great for everyone else, but it is right. Well, it, everyone's got a model, though. Like, if, if you're looking... Like, if... I bet you could pick... Probably between Etzebeth and Peter Steff de Toy, you could probably pick 40 examples to just show your players. To get the drill. This is how you... T- this is how you... Right, the Etzebeth hit on Richie Moonga. Oh, wow. Richie Moonga's about 9 or 10 inches shorter than Etzebeth. Yeah. absolutely nails him like round the midriff through fantastic technique like it it can be done mm. it's the rest of the world I'm have to sure catch up I'm, with South yeah. Africa I mean just because you're not getting concussion doesn't mean that's not shortening your life by a few years oh no no it, like I, I'm not making that argument no, no, I'm, no, I'm no, saying I, these guys are playing within the laws yeah. I know you're not but so, like it's um it's one of those things, oh, look, South Africa don't hit high. You'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate to be Geordie Barrett to oh, his goodness. body today. So, so we're, we're feeling sorry for Sam Kane. We, we would perhaps even look at alternatives to losing, going a man down, but fine. It was I, the right right decision. It, it's consistent with the yeah. uh, the way the laws are written yeah. and applied. Um, uh, so next then we go to Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Who, by and, the way, should have put the game to bed. Oh. Uh, when he made that. Oh. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Oh, when there's that break, start the second half. Four or five should've minutes into the second half. Ooh. He really should have put that. Like, he's got a man either side of him. Anyway. Jordy Barrett defended that really well, to be fair. Made, him, made him think. Yeah. But anyway. But there was a, there was a few. Um, there was one late on down the left wing with. I think it was Peter Steff to Toy breaking down the left yes. wing. Uh, the scramble de- defence of New Zealand was excellent. There was another one where down those. that same touchline in the second half, Cody Taylor made a brilliant made a break. Yeah. And New Zealand, uh, from where I was sat, the numbers New Zealand had, I don't know if you, you've got it on the TV, They South Africa were spent, had New Zealand just wanged it left. Really? Yeah, they they I had don't think, so many numbers. I don't think we got that, that no. viewpoint. And on, they didn't. They, ran, the they, they, no, cra- they, well made. they crushed it up. Anyway. Khaleesi, I think it's probably the right call. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, so, yeah, so uh, this is one of those ones where I wasn't listening to commentary, didn't see all the slow motion replays and stuff, but it looked to me like he made contact with the ball. Yeah, then, but then there was... Se- so the like, second like, like Owen Farrell did on Andre Esterhazen all, 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 all <laughs> oh, those yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah. Identical. Um, not even a penalty. Well, should yeah. Be, shouldn't it even been a penalty? Uh, exactly. If, you, you if that's your threshold. The, the difference was that Khaleesi's head then made contact with... Was it Ardi Svea's head? But, but it, the mitigation was that it, that was as a consequence of the contact with the ball. Yes. yes. Second order effect. Which is kind of fair. Yeah, yeah I thought right. we got it wrong. Now, the more interesting one is the knock-on. Yeah, well, we've got both tries and we've still got the final yellow card. So let's go for the first... Was the final yellow card? I don't remember that. Uh, it was Colby. A Colby. Oh, right, yeah. Deliberate knockdown. Yeah. Very similar to, again, not not trying to just bring Owen Farrell up again, but very similar to Owen Farrell at the end of Fiji. You have to talk about the Colby one because the Colby one seems like... Yeah, yeah. At the end of Farrell, uh, like, at the end of Fiji game, Farrell did something similar and it was a penalty, not a yellow card. This it's one not all about Farrell. Was, no, no, I'm just saying... Like, I mean, if, if, pe- if people you've got a Sam Burgess reference, I'm just saying people talk about consistency and stuff. I didn't have a problem with the yellow card, but it was very similar to to that one which was not given a yellow card but uh, just the torture that Colby went through as a result on the touchline was and yeah. what, what was, I don't know whether it, I don't know whether you saw it on the TV but what I noticed is I just full time whistle I just I watched Khaleesi because I was just like I want to soak this yeah. guy up and he ran straight to Colby to go and give him a hug. Like, the, no but it was just the, the awareness like talk about leadership <laughs> the awareness of him to to recognise and see oh my uh, that guy is in bits on the touchline, I just thought it was. I just thought it was good. Lead, good, good light. Um, yeah, it was nice. I liked mm. it. Yeah, he, he, he is one of the best off-field leaders. I think I've seen it in rugby. I'm not sure he's the best on-field leader. Well, on-field, like if you were criticising Owen Farrell, taking it back to Owen Farrell last week for the way he spoke to a yeah. ref, like Khaleesi is diametrically opposed. No, the opposite end. So I don't mean like his the way he talks to refs. He's the perfect guy for that. Yeah, he's got such gravitas now. Like, yeah, such respect. He just means his merit as a rugby player. And just as a rugby player, like he, you know, would you say he had one of the great games? I thought he put some amazing hits in. Did you? Yeah. Did you, which one stands? Which one stands he, up? He got a couple on Talia. He got one early doors on yeah. um, Moonga, where he bolts out of the line. He's he's a lone man bolting out of the line, and he goes low on um, Moonga. And if he if he misses that tackle. Moonga's stepped him and there's a dog leg in the defence so I don't so I didn't see all these now he, he messed up the break he messed up the, the break start of the second I, I don't blame him for that because that's not really I mean it is his job it's not really his job he does he does like loose balls and stuff he's amazing at being the one that manages good at start, to get yeah. the loose ball, get loose balls and stuff so yeah anyway I, I, I think he's great maybe he just does a different job to the very eye catching 
yeah. biggest effort to and everybody else who just absolutely batters people. I, I think that, that you've just described that South African team. That if, if you don't see much of a player, it's because their role is to do unseen things. Yeah, maybe when you've got the other seven barbarians destroying people, you do need someone a bit calmer yeah. to chat mm. to the ref. I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I know I've mentioned his name over and over, but Nambi, I mean, to me, is the captain for that side. They've got leaders everywhere. They do. But that is also undeniably true. Vamal and Anetzabeth are P- heroic P- leaders. PSD, PSDT. Yeah. Uh, and Two of the um, best props in the world, just in case. Just throws on. Col- Colby's a character. I mean, when you actually look Pollard. across... Pollard. Faf. Pollard. When you yeah. actually look across the team, there are, there are... I mean, many of them have won two World Cups now. Some of them might be around to try and go for a third. But... There'll be a few. You yeah. look across that team, and this is what I mean about... I think Phil's right when he says they're greater than the sum of their parts. Yet, equally, when you look at them, th- there are some players that you kind of go, they're iconic. Faf de Klerk's going to be an iconic scrum half. Etzebeth. Ho- Andre Pollard. Yep. Eben Etzebeth. Peter Steph de Toy. These are kind of iconic rugby figures. <laughs> yeah. Ches- Cheslin Colby. Just, yeah. on, just on Faf, I, obviously he's a great player. Do you think he's going to be iconic? Because he just gets himself in such ridiculous situations. <laughs> like, do you remember, like, there was a meme of him slapping that player's arse as he's trying to get the ball yeah, out. Yeah, like, yeah. he's not as good as Aaron Smith. <laughs> There's, it's Aaron not, Smith was brilliant. Yeah, he's not even comparable to Aaron. No one really is comparable to Aaron Smith, actually. Um, but he'll be remembered because he's all action. He's a bit weird. Um, like, the way he looks and the way he, you know, he... He's erratic, but when he's... You know, he does the occasional brilliant thing, the occasional Defensively, mad thing. He made, he made about 15 tackles himself. Yeah, he's just so unusual. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Iconic's right, isn't it? It's not saying he's the best in the world. He is iconic. Yeah, he is. Like, he isn't. He isn't Aaron Smith by any stretch. The moment that for the game that summed Faf up for me was his off the ball hit on Mark Talea. Yeah, which he got penalised for, and then as he was as uh, Barnsley was penalising, which was Tom Foley. Uh, Barnes asked Tom Foley. Did, uh, did someone take someone off the ball there? Tom Foley said, yes, it was Faf de Klerk. So Wayne Barnes, pen- penalty. Faf then runs up to Carl Dixon, who was the um, touch judge on that side, and like sarcastically applauds him. <sighs> to, which, to which I would have marched him back another 10 yeah, metres. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, was, also, it was such a stupid off-the-ball hit. How many well? highlights are there of Faf getting into altercations <laughs> with massive men? Yeah. <laughs> He's nuts. He is nuts. You've got to love him for it. Yes. Uh, so, back yes. to the... So, we're now at the the disallowed try, the first one. Yeah. So... I'm interested in this because I didn't hear all the commentary and this went back some phases and... Yeah, so talk, yeah. To, me, talk to me. So... It was clearly a knock-on at the back of it. It was a line-out. But it was called to play ba- on. Barnsley, Barnsley saw it. Barnsley saw it and said, not a knock-on. Not a knock-on, play on. So I, I've now watched this twice. Like I've watched the game twice. And I've watched this twice and counted the phases. There are four, four rooks. Mm. Uh, New Zealand then scoring the corner. Great pace by uh, Richie Moonga. Yeah. Lovely... Um, inside ball with Talera on the outside and Smith. Aaron Smith on the inside. Great finish. Uh, it's Deal Andy he goes around and beats for pace. Yeah, um, and then gives just the hint to um, to Valemsa to go for Talera to give him the time to pass the ball back. A lovely finish. But Tom Foley then pipes up as the kick's being taken, saying, "Barnes, we need to look at this," which is like. Um, Moonga was set up to take the kick, so it wasn't immediate, but it was before the kick is taken. But the key here is you can only go back, I think it's three phases, unless there is foul play. Yeah. And this was not foul play, it was 
Now it's so, it, so is that a stupid law? Is that no, another no, example I think of it's good law? No, because it's otherwise you could go back fifteen phases and it's like immaterial to the try. Yeah. Like if it's missed in real time, and in this, it wasn't missed in real time. It was Barnes, referenced. It was yeah. He Re- said Barnes, play on. He's, he's gone yeah, backwards. He, he referenced it several times. Barnes said not a knock on, not a knock on, play on because the South Africans were um, calling for it. So it, it's it's overreach by the TMO. As in, it is explicitly outside the... And and it's um, at the point the TMO brings it up, it's really hard for Wayne Barnes then to go, well, I saw it, and I may have got it wrong, but I saw it, and that's not within the law. But that's the the honest thing to do. Well, I don't know. Once the TMO's raised it, it, that's how it has to stand. And a Barnes, you can't then say... Oh, were there three phases or four phases? Because well, the TMO should have should, should know his that. jurisdiction. You should definitely ask that. Yeah, but well, you, uh, no, you hold on. Like, Ima- he's got imagine, so many things. Imagine on. if that happened and they went, yes, it was definitely a knock-on and I missed it, but but it's one phase too many, so we can't give. The, so we have to give the try. No, but that that you ca- you w- that would have made rugby look ridiculous. And you can't also like imagine if the referee every time the TMO pipes up says, "Can you just tell me how many phases that? Can you? I want you to play it back and count the phases." I, am I am I the only one that feels really comfortable with that solution? I think that's a great solution. Yeah, right, it just slows so, everything so down. You're you're a rugby fan. Can you ima- imagine? Uh, I used to be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine you're one of the millions of people who doesn't really watch rugby but said, I'll tune in for the World Cup final, and that is what you saw. I would go, what? Or the yeah. ref every, every time, every time the TMO is called. Um, excuse me, excuse me. Can you can you count the phases, please? Well, yeah, Tom Foley shouldn't have called it. Yeah. And there needs to be clarification. Look, it's gone three phases. You can't do it. Now, the other question is, should he just be calling that anyway? And I think he should be, actually. So... If he's going to be involved, if the TMO is going to be involved, help spotting things, he should call that knock on immediately. And if he doesn't, neither of them have the right to go back more than three, three, three phases. What, what, yeah, but what I don't would, want the TMO mm, to be calling knock ons when the ref sees Tom it. Foley yeah. said something else to Wayne Barnes, and Wayne Barnes ignored him later on in the game. I can't remember what it was for. It's for it might have been for it. It was something fairly uh, important. But he says something like, "I've seen it." Yeah, knock on there, and Wayne Barnes like, "No, I've seen it play on." Yeah, yeah I can't remember like what that. it was though. Yeah, so he, he he has done that in the past. But then, I, I thought, just on that, I thought Barnsley handled... when it, So when he gets pointed to that, to say it's to. a knock-on... Yeah, to. Barnsley, yeah, Barnsley has to deal with it. it's interesting. But then Wayne Barnes says, ah, uh, yes, but he identifies that Etzebeth tackles... Was it Scott Barrett? Whoever, whoever yeah, played in him the in the air. Or Ritalik played him which in the air. Which is nonsense. Well, it, it was a way, well, wasn't it, to get himself off yeah. the hook? Yeah, now... It's a funny one because... Well, that's quick that, thinking, that. Yeah. yeah. I thought Barnsley handled it very well. Now, if that if there wasn't a knock-on, so that contact in the air by Etzebeth on, let's say, Ritalik, that happens pretty much every single line-out because it, mm. um, Ritalik was millimetres from the ground and it's barely... But it was, by the letter of the law... It was a penalty wow. against so, South Africa. So, so again, we cannot fill the gaps in here, and Wayne Barnes will probably never admit it until maybe he's after he's retired. But what what happened there then is Wayne Barnes yeah. managed to calculate all of this in his head. Oh dear, Tom Foley, what have you done? This is all sub. This is all going on in Wayne Barnes' head. What have you done? I saw that at the time, but now you've brought it up. I have to reference it. Oh, it's more than three phases. Oh shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, How do I? Oh tip look, scales? I can. I can give them a pen and maybe three points to... Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's smart from Wayne That's Barnes. exactly what he did. Yeah, now, it is. And I don't think there's an accident either because if you talk to a ref- referee about the game, so 
you know, no secret, uh, we are friends. Of, uh, sorry, JP Doyle is a friend of uh, of the pod. Mm-hmm. If you listen to him talk about rugby and the games, uh, he just knows. They, these guys are so good at what they do; they know every law inside out. And yeah, they get the occasional decision wrong, but you try do, doing this. That wasn't an accident. He would have known that it's gone over three phases. Does he want to have the argument with the TMO? Probably not. Um, and so, yeah, I think he, I think he tipped, tipped the scales using a technicality because that's never a penalty in, no, in, no, in normal. Life. But it, equally, <clears throat> like you're never watching that in slow motion in real life. Yeah. So they, it, technically, it was a penalty. That's his, but yeah, like I a, thought I thought Barnsley did very. I, I he's thought, a man of the law. He's like a he's like a barrister. Uh, barrister. He is, he is yeah. very very much like that a barrister. was just using those skills yeah, yeah, yeah. to the max. Well, yeah. it, it also proves the point to me that um, having you, justice seen to be done, but no one too unhappy. It also yes. proves to me if you if you want a good World Cup final. Um, you can't have England playing in it. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree because um, the best referees are English. They are hands down. Tom Foley, mm. uh, slight overreach, but it, it was like he has seen something that Barnsley clearly got wrong. And, and you got to imagine what's in his head. He's got like I've seen this. Yeah, it's a World Cup final, and a try and, has resulted from it. And he's he is really thinking. I do not want a sixty-two minute Razzy Erasmus video calling out <laughs> all, <laughs> all of my failings. Did you listen to our podcast last week after you left him? Yeah. We went into detail like this. It yeah. does make a difference. It definitely makes a difference. It definitely makes How's Razzie got his camera phone out? <laughs> <laughs> you missed a knock on Barnsley. Right, and then and then and then we've got the try the that try was that given. Was. You see, I my gut feeling when I saw this and and when I saw the replay on the big screen, uh, so I only saw the one replay on the big screen, was the ball travelled flat or backwards and then bounced forward, which is not a knock on. Yes, and I think that is right. I think I think this was was a try. I think this was. This, a this is the sort of one that that low level referees on a second team on a Saturday or a mini rugby game on a Sunday will give us a knock on. Well, and lots of other referees. Yeah, as well. I would give it as a knock on, right? But I'm also happy to trust Wayne Barnes on on this. That's how I look at it. Because I I think I do think exactly as you described him. I think Talia, uh he offloads it and his hands go. I'm not going to say backwards, I'm going to say flat, and the ball travels out of his hands flat, and you're right on the, I can't remember if it was a 22 or the 5 metre line, but you're right on one of the lines, um, but then it bounces and bounces, it definitely bounces <laughs> forwards. Can I tell you about a try that we scored on the weekend for the Tock H? One of many, I assume. Well, I did get a try, actually. Um, oh. But another, an assist from me. Nice. So, um, we are playing in the Aspel, like, just beyond their 5 metre. They're about to exit with a box kick. I've made a tackle and I've hurt my knee. Not badly. Hurt, not injured. Uh, and I'm <laughs> Tactical substitution. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on the floor and I'm just waiting for, the f- I'm waiting for them to kick the ball so I can get up and then rejoin the game. But I'm on the Aspel side. I'm, but I'm, you know, if, I can't join the game because I'm, I'm actually offside. If I touch an Aspel player or something, I'm, I'm offside. We charge it down, right? And it bounces straight into me. The referee just says, play on. We, we we collect score, uh, did you, score the try. Did you collect or did it no, bounce? No. It bounced off it, you, it, ricocheted it, off yeah. you. It hit me in, <laughs> into one of our players' hands, and the referee was like, oh, right. And I was looking at the ref. I was like, "Do I? Am I honest? Am I honest enough to say that is not cert? You can't give that try. You can't." But as long as you don't play the ball, I think you're okay. Do you as long as you don't play the ball or you're allowed to like be out of, you're allowed of, you're allowed to be out of the get offside but out of the game. I don't know if you are yeah. instantly offside if the ball hits yeah. you. Anyway, it's one of those it's one of those where you can yeah. 
Good referee, actually. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm sure he got that wrong. I felt sorry for Aspel. I really did. Um, so, yeah, the second one, I, th- I think that the allowed try probably was a try um, on balance. Then we've got the Colby which we've already, incident, which we've already talked about. And then I do just want to touch on the final turnover, which was Quagga Smith. Uh, Is this where Colby's tackling and... It's uh, not Colby. No, Colby. It's where... Cause, um, it's where Peter Ta- Steftatoy actually misses a tackle. It's oh, Rico right. Yuani. Ball comes back. New Zealand have done about 10 or 12 phases. Oh, yeah, hands hands down, just like France. And it, it was actually... It's worse than... So there are stills showing Quagga Smith hands on the floor and, like, he's clearly not supporting his body weight with anything other than his arms. I think the France one, you could actually go... Yeah, maybe he was supporting his body weight and it wasn't material, this, but this one was material. It's clearly, it's like um, full palms of hands down in front of the ball um, from his side, behind the ball from Rico Ioane's side. But he also comes in from the side. Brilliant. He's, he's <laughs> in front. So Rico Ioane hits the deck and um, Quagga Smith is closer to New Zealand's post than his own post. And he comes directly across, hands on the floor, and then kind of scoops it up and... Barnsley, Barnsley points it to his foot to say uh, f- hit by a foot or something like that. Which, well, I think it's just that, yeah. I, I I feel like that was if you're going to moan about anything from Wayne Barnes, that would be the one. Yeah, and that is uh, Quagga Smith. Is that he does things that quickly? It, 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 was, it was. He's so explosive. It was a fraction of a second. I mean, but, but that's another player, right? Because look how incredible every time he comes on, he has massive impact and he is amazing. And he, he, was a, he was a jobbing place. sevens player. Well, he wasn't till about when did it? When would it change for him? Maybe he's been around for about eight, eight years. So you know, it was when the Lions were, were good. good in 2017. Yeah. Do you know how long ago that was? It was when Janzi van Rensburg was good. Van Rensburg was good. And that was and years Ackerman. ago. Was, was, I want to say 2017. It was when Faf got demoted to yeah. second choice in uh, Herschel Janzi. Now, do you remember... Oh, yeah. Do you remember this boy? Um, is it Crombrink? The winger. Yeah, big, whatever happened to him? He was ace. Winger. Yeah, yeah. Crombrink and who was the replace? Who replaced Faf? It was. It'll come back to me in a second. Yeah, another blonde, small blonde. Oh wait, no, because he came to to sail as well. Um, no, he didn't. You're thinking. Oh of, no, that was Curly Ambrose. Um, no, that's the cricket player. Ambrose. <laughs> Curly Ambrose. Ambr- uh, Ambrose. Uh, 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 Papier. Uh, Papier. Ambrose. Yeah. Papier. But not him, because he no. played at the Stormers. Oh yeah. The guy was. Uh, it'll come back to me in a second. So yeah, Ruan Combrink. Uh, he was the Punisher. He was, a, he was a unit. Yeah, he's not actually. I mean, he's 100 kg and six foot. Uh, he's still called the Punisher. Utility back. What, where, where's he now? Uh, no club. So he's played for the last few years. He played went to Stade Francais for a couple of years. Speaking of Stade Francais, my boys Bayon beat Stade Francais. Did they? Stade Francais really? first defeat of the season to the mighty Bayon. So oh. a friend of the pod, a listener. Who I rely on for information. I won't say no more than that. Is friends with the owner of Biritz, and you picked the wrong team, Tim. Because if you've just picked the team a few miles down the road, oh, I'm still, <laughs> still up for grabs. Yeah. No, what, what we could be in? Oh, well, oh we could be there. But Biritz. the Biritz v Bayonne derby is meant to be spicy. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is. Ross Cronier. Ross Cronier. That's the one. Was the scrum off? Yep. Took. And Elton Yanchis was fly off. Yep. Um, who is it? They had. I love that we go down niche little rabbit holes like this. I love it. 
But yeah, it's our World Cup. <laughs> it's so our it World Cup. Well, it was a great World team. Cup final review, and we're trying to fill in the gaps of all the team of the 2017 like, Lions side. Final, the, the Super Rugby <laughs> finalists who never actually win it. Yeah, they they lost uh, 25-17 to the Crusaders. Are they lost t- twice in a row. Did they not? Yeah, I think they might have done. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of um, niche, uh, you've just mentioned French rugby, Tim. Yeah, niche um, players um, from club teams. And going French rugby. Did you see who was starting fly half for Toulouse today? Tonight, they kick off in 10 minutes' time. This is a good one. Toulouse. Toulouse. Is it an indigenous British player? Yes, it is. Okay, so who would that be? It's going to be someone like... It's going to be someone like... Uh, oh, I'll tell you who, who it might be. It'll be someone like... Um, the guy oh, who... No, I, oh, yeah, Seba, yeah. Uh, a Wasps and Saracens Billy guy. Billy Searle. Oh, that's a good one. Billy Searle. Is it Billy Searle? <laughs> Billy Searle is starting for Toulouse this what? week. Yeah, th- you were going to say Ali Crossdale. Yeah, Ali Crossdale. Was... somewhere else. Where is he playing? He he might be in France, actually. He is in France. Ali Crossdale. Sure Billy Searle Billy Searle is for starting for hey, Toulouse. Imagine the odds wow. you, would, you would get on that when he was... Um, how, is Billy Searle the one who played at Worcester? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Wasps. And yeah, he played yeah. Wasps. Christ almighty. Ali Crossdale's at Perpignan. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys which are going to be popping up in France, I think. Where's Will Hayden Wood? Uh, Rugby World Cup final. Did he go to Exeter? I'm just making that up. Mm, Maybe. Rugby World Cup final. No, 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 it's fine. I love it. I I actually genuinely love it. So uh, I think that's wrapped up uh, all all, all the big decisions and the big moments. Exeter, he is. Bottom line is the best best team won. Well, no. South Africa deserved to win. Yes. Because New Zealand, if they were the better performing team on the night didn't take the chances they they didn't choose to kick at goal world cup final how many world cup finals do you have to have where uh, one thing i couldn't believe is the the good positions new zealand engineered themselves and with all the kicking ability they've got in their back line they never sat someone in the pocket no in, in, yeah. well, anyway, south africa sat too many people in in, in the pocket well, four four attempts at drop goals but i, I, I mean, love that, uh, i was that, looking at that and i love the drop goal as a tactic because just the threat of it um, makes the defence just change completely yeah. and that opens up space Let's elsewhere I love it second, because kicking does make the defence change substantially doesn't it because you have to drop players back does the drop what does the drop drop goal you, you're charging it speed, yeah, you, you're charging it so there might be little holes for a dink kick or something like that yeah, yeah so it's a threat I guess between I mean setting up for a drop goal and then chipping it would be a yeah. little thing exactly, yeah. yeah or if you've got someone because you're going to have say three or four players all pincering defenders all pincering in on a single focal point so there has to be space elsewhere if you can go kind of out the back to a winger or a fullback putting pace on the ball yeah this is the next great innovation the dummy drop <laughs> goal <laughs> yeah well is that, is that what Danny Kerr did on Friday night he did some kind of drop goal. I don't know what that oh, was. Oh, actually, that's a good point. Do you want to talk... Uh, okay, so two more things I want to talk about yeah. for the World Cup. I think... Do, we, do you want to talk about England or not? Not really. Or maybe a little bit. Five minutes or the end. We can touch on it. Yeah, maybe just talk just about like, the forward pass. But Not to pick a World 15 from the World Cup, but maybe if you're going to pick a World 15, rather than go position by position, just give me your candidates right away, off the top of your head, who would get who who would make the team? Uh, I mean... Peter Steph's a toy. Yeah. Um, I think you have to have Ardy Svea. He's just been huge. Ardy has been great. Uh, Bundiaki. Yeah. yeah uh, and, and I might, uh, like, look, at, there haven't been standout centres aside Bund- from Bundiaki and Geordie Barrett. So I might try and engineer them both in a, 
Yeah, they could do that. Yeah, yeah. Back line together. Jordy played thirteen. They've been, they've both been brilliant. Yeah, um, like going uh, into the top. top. Uh, Owen Farrell ten, obviously. Obviously, okay. well, he's World Cup's yeah. World Cup's top scorer. Goes not saying. Goes not yeah. saying. I you know. And um, walks in if. If Farrell, so South Africa had four pot shots that dropped goals, all arguably easier than the one that Farrell slotted. George last Ford week. is your drop goal boy. Oh, that one that Farrell got last week was in a World Cup semi final. Oh, George Ford would have done better. <laughs> I mean, George Ford is the same team. Yeah. Um, oh, it was semi, wasn't it? Hang on, yeah, it was against the same it was, team. No, it wasn't. No, it, the place. It was South. Um, Farrell's was against South Africa. Farrell's was against Ford's, South Africa. Yeah, against Forty-eight Africa. meters. So just on Farrell. I mean, obviously, the winning margin against Argentina this week was less than when George Ford played for him. Does that mean England are worse with Farrell than George Ford? Um, well, Argentina was significantly better. Because Farrell let them be better. <laughs> and Eng- England played with 15 men. We know this. Well, although, actually, but, I think, actually, what, what happened, and just, just to very briefly to jump to England, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to this in a bit. Okay. But I think England played really well with 14 men, just like New Zealand did in this Rugby World Cup final. And I think Henry Arundel just sacrificed himself for the team. <laughs> <laughs> it's not often that you can say a player is legitimately bad, is there? Like, with these pro players are so good. You make mistakes, sure. Henry Arundel was legitimately bad. Well, he just didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Which is bad. And, and he didn't even go t- yeah, looking yeah. for work. Yeah. Come on, son. Get off your touchline. Uh, anyway. He needs to go to France pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, well, under, under Lancaster's Lancaster. gaze. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry. The, the, you, so, so uh, other players in a in, a, in a world. Yeah, Mbanambi was yeah. The, was the standout. And Malherb. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, De Groot and Lomax were very good in this. They, in the they final really final. came of age. Oh, that, that, I do want to talk about that actually because I think South Africa are so smart in this regard. I've mentioned this before that they they don't attack um, the scrums they, so they show good nice pictures to the referee early on they keep all the s- scrums solid and then when they need to that's w- that is the only time they attack yeah. to the point where in this game because because New Zealand were ahead and attacking the scrum does they're likely to get the penalty but it does risk a penalty against them they never attacked they never attacked the scrum so they, Sorry, were, they South, were just because South Africa were because South yeah, Africa yeah. were ahead. Yeah. So they just show the nice picture, keep it stable for both teams, and the stability of some of the, some of the scrums was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a perfect I, textbook picture. That's if, such a good point, Phil. If if New Zealand at any point in, of that game were up in the same way that England were up by nine points, make with it a lottery minutes, and make the referee make a decision. Then, yeah. No, well, yeah, well, yeah. But, they, but they try and be dominant. But yeah. Try and be dominant. They are more like it probably becomes a 70 30 for the first one, and then once you've won the first one, it's an 80 20, and then it's a 90 10. That's 90, so interesting. So it's their game theory on those scrums was very, very astute. Yeah, South Africa make you want to play rugby again. That, that's kind of how I think about it. Because <laughs> I think rugby is incredibly stale in so many areas. What do we see? A pod of three out the back, pod of three out the back. Um, the kicking game has drastically improved this World Cup. Like, if you still think kicking's boring, Go watch a different sport. There are a lot of people you, saying this this World Cup was boring. Like, I, it was I, not. It what, is, what else could you want but a game in the balance? It, and I, it's not boring. And that last six minutes was just like heart seven, in your yeah. mouth. Yes, seven out of eight of the um, knockout games were the last five minutes. It's a great and, and, and Amazing. Many of them, the last second, the 82nd minute was when they were decided. I, and so I, I made this point last week that like people people who are, are calling, saying that, yes, the draw is ludicrous. And the draw does look bad on paper 
But in reality, like to say the draw is bad, you have to ignore all of the reality of the knockout games and some of the um, matchups in the pool stages have been absolutely dynamite. Yeah, the pool stage were a tiny bit disappointing, but no more so than any other World Cup. Pool, you, pool B and Pool always, C were great. You always get the yeah. Ireland, South Africa. We, would, France, we wouldn't have had that. That France, game. Yeah, France, France, New Zealand France opening night. down of New Zealand. Yeah, but a lot of... You know, you Wales, go, Fiji, Australia, Fiji. Yeah, we had whole weekends, though, when nothing happened. Like, I think we, we, no, there, there, was was one, one, there was one there weekend. was one bad weekend. Yeah. Was one bad. weekend. Yeah. There was one of the weekend. I just thought, oh god, it's no, the, no. But, it, but you always but get what, some... what you're describing. I mean, the pool stage is going to be shortened by a week next next time, which is an improvement in that sense. However, there's a good argument to say there will be no dynamite pool game weekends because all of the fixtures. Will yeah, be they'll have a dominant team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. If it, if it was this, if it was the top four teams were all in different pools. And so you've got Scotland in one pool and then England in another. So you, you've got kind of two good games in the pool stages. Yeah, you need two good games in the pool stages to make the weekends interesting. No, yeah, as in... Yeah, two like games every two, weekend. So, yeah. There may be two over, two good the, games over, over the 20 Over five models. weekends yeah. if, you, if you had it in a different scenario. If you had the top four teams split up, you could you risk having two good games across however many there are. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the so harsh as it is for Ireland, Scotland, France, they may feel. Uh, oh, I just think you've got to suck that up because it's, yeah. it's given. It's, it's meant the World Cup has been incredible. It and would, if, and if yeah. you were good enough to have won the World Cup, you would have won Sorry, those big just, games. Just to add to that, good enough to win the World Cup from that side of the pool too. Yeah. Which yeah. is the more important thing. So Because you've got you know, to, you've you've got got to, to win the you've, best. We've said it for all along. You've got to beat everybody. If if your complaint is that you didn't make a semi-final, then that's not the mindset of a team that's going to win a Thank World you. Cup. Yep, hundred percent. You know, you want to win it, and if you didn't win it, well, you, know, you won't. Win it. Yeah, just saying. Oh, we didn't get to the semi-final. That's terrible. Well, sorry. <laughs> and, and lucky for you. And Eng- England got that bronze medal, third best team in the world. I mean, yeah. the atmosphere the last two weekends in Paris would have been significantly better had France and or Ireland been involved. I get that. However, yeah. there would have been less booing. There's not reasons given. Yeah, there would have been less booing. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm, I was a bit annoyed about that the last two weekends in Paris. Going like, what? these like are these? How uncouth Love are these it. French rugby fans? Get them. Like, <laughs> they're, they're booing Farrell last week ridiculously, and then this week, and then this week, and then I mean that week, is an outrage. Oh my so boo God, on Farrell! Oh my goodness me! No, uh, but this weekend before the game, booing Wayne Barnes before the match. Oh, go for it! And when he went up to get his medal, but it was French fans. It wasn't Kiwis. It was not New Zealanders. Just like last week, it was not uh, Argentinians. I bet it, the key was egging it them was on, French though. fans. However, <laughs> I'm I'm prepared to accept that this is just actually a part of the cultural difference exactly. that we have to, have to actually embrace. Hey, the, and it's almost a mark of respect if you get booed in France. Yeah, the yeah. reason that it'd be good, the atmosphere would be, would be good if France and Ireland got through to the last stages of the competition, the very late, late stages, it's because they were good enough to do so and their fans would be excited. But they weren't, were, were they? And therefore, it's not going to be as good. So, unfortunate boys, be better. I mean, part of the French culture when um, a CEO, when a company fails and there's layoffs, rip uh, off their clothes. Yeah, literally rip the shirt off their backs. Have you ever seen that? No. <laughs> yeah. So the union members will sort of. Uh, Air Fr- I remember it with Air France. Air France made some layoffs, and they've got this executive scrambling over a fence. Now, anyone who knows me, 
uh, or listen to me will probably guess what my political leanings are, but I'm all for ripping clothes off their executives. <laughs> I'm, I'm so a, down for that. There's a picture of one of the, yeah, there one of the executives yeah, that, that, literally trying to climb <laughs> over a fence. Yes, oh my yes, God, had... the balance sheets! So do you know what? It would be boring if everyone was the same. Like the fans of, uh, the different style of the fans has been great. The South American fans have been absolutely dynamite. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm prepared to accept the booing I, I, in fact, I, and enjoy it even. Yeah. And, and it did add... I don't, I don't particularly like it, but I accept it's a yeah. French thing, therefore. And, and, and I will we'll never understand. Just it. on the Farrell one last week, it annoyed me before the game, but every time he stepped up and slotted points and the boos got quieter and quieter through the game, it just made me love it <sighs> all the more. <laughs> oh, well. oh, well. Anyway. Uh, so, um, anything else you want to say on the final? You had a couple of things in your head. Yeah, I was just going through, you know, I think we've got most of the standout candidates for a World Cup team. I don't... Oh, Etzebeth uh, probably will win World Player of the Year. Oh, or Peter tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe. Is, he, is he a nominee? Because we've got the four oh, nominees. Oh, he wasn't, was he? It's it was... Ardi Savia, who it could yes. be. It's uh, Antoine de Pont. Antoine de Pont. It's Ebenet Sabeth, and I can't remember was the fourth it Bund- one. Was it Bundy? Yeah, Bundy. Yeah, Bund- 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 it, yeah. it could be Bundy. So, it, I think it'll be Etzebeth. Would he give de Pont the scrum half position? No. He Aaron's... played, he played for like two games. Two yeah. and a half games. Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, there yeah. hasn't been a, there hasn't, yeah. aside from him, there hasn't really been a standout nine. No, agree with Standout that. wingers? Any wingers? Pano was brilliant in the pool stages, but then got outshone by Colby. Yep. Who that, hasn't been excellent? Will Jordan Ooh. scored eight tries. Will Jordan. He yeah. Just, he mentioned, definitely. I could give Will, give, give oh, actually, Talia. I think Talia's Talia is. Hang on, he does stay up too late. Well, he is the hardest man to tackle. He must be staying up covering himself in baby oil. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he is so slippery. So elusive, isn't he? Evading, He's amazing. Evading the the all the, the all blacks bloody hall monitors. <laughs> he, he I think last week was fourteen defenders beaten. This week was nine defenders beaten. That just, that, 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 debate, that that defenders beaten stats an amazing one. I saw a thing in the week about the all the players that had got eight tries in World Cups. And Lomu has got uh, had in his in the World Cups in which he scored eight tries, he beat something like five times as many defenders as Will Jordan has beaten in this World Cup. <laughs> what? In the, in the World Cup when he got eight tries, whichever one that was, 95? 95. 95, yeah. He, he, he beat something like 39 defenders in the tournament. <laughs> something, several wow. of them being Englishmen, strewn across the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating, isn't it, when you watch old rugby. So when we watch the... France versus New Zealand game in '99. Yeah, my mind the best game of all time. They were absolutely cl- some I, of it was rubbish. I could have coached that team. I, I could legitimately have coached that team and done a better job. We watched one of the was it '91 final? I want to say, and England's strike move tactic inside the opposition twenty-two was a bomb. Yeah, like bomb on the try line. But weirdly, that seems to be coming back in fashion. It, it occasionally it does. It does. So let's just say congratulations to South Africa. Yeah. And, um, and uh, we haven't even said any of that. If you're still listening right now, contact headchasers at gmail.com is where you can find us, uh, by the way, with any emails. And um, we'll have to get stuck into some of those. Mm. We get some brilliant emails, don't we? There, there yeah, and if you want to email about financial services, Bidmore & Co. Bidmore & Co. Independent Financial Advisors. There you go. There was an enormous... Um, Number of emails during the uh, there was now, now the, I'm back. I will get back on my admin duties with the emails yeah. and and get across those apologies. Um, we do read them, we do see them. Well, I, I haven't been reading them because I've been really, really busy, really busy. Uh, so uh, yes, qu- quick, quickly touch on third, fourth place playoff. Uh, there's a, uh, it's the game that shouldn't happen, isn't it? 
it's if well, yeah. both these teams acted like they really, really cared, and, and they selected teams like they did, and they played like they did. The Argentinian players were in tears at the final whistle. Yeah, and good for them, and I'm happy they wanted to play this game. The real game probably should be in Australia, Scotland. Now, I, I was thinking about that, and do you? So, we've always spoke about the um, loser ball or whatever you mm. want to call it. So, the the top eight teams go through to the the real deal and then the next eight teams go through to the alternative quarters yeah and we would just run that like in tradition traditionally when we spoke about it, we would just run it exactly as a mirror of the um the regular um world cup final route i was thinking about this do you do it one of two alternative ways do you either strike through any tier one um, teams and we I know world rugby don't recognize tier one but the mm. two big six nations of rugby championship tier one straight through those okay they get to go home and then you have a legit competition to see who is the best of the tier twos yep as one alternative or do you say you really make it a loser ball and you win if you win you go out if you oh, lose, I love it. If you I lose, love it. You lose, you no. go. You have to play another so, week. Oh, I'm, that's amazing! I'm very much in favour of the loser ball style for like a premiership style competition because they're all elite and they're all getting paid the same. But when you're asking doctors and dentists and students to play in the loser ball, no, no. Here's what you do: <laughs> every rugby player at least has the option, or maybe has to stay in France for the entire tournament, oh, okay. and you have an Olympic village. Where everyone, I mean, you'd have to invite. Isn't you'd have to invite lots of guests. But like the the Olympic Village, that you talk to Olymp, when you talk to Olympians, yeah, the ones that love it, are the hate- ones that have their event at the very start of the Olympics, and then have got two weeks have of party. Two weeks <laughs> Sorry, of, Tim. I, I, of I, having to go and get. Um, I hate to having to go and get penicillin shots. <laughs> I hate to bring this up. I hate to bring this up, Tim. I do hate to bring this up. But do you think you might not get the same effect with an all male? Yes, <laughs> I, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I just said you'd have to uh, expand the guest list somewhat, yeah. but you, you somehow create an environment. Run it concurrently with the, with beach volleyball or something, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> you create an environment where where you're, you'd be desperate. Do, do you want to you'd continue be desperate this? to not have to play professional sport? I you don't just want to know get how you create it. this environment, Tim. I, I think this is this is beyond <laughs> the scope of the podcast. I don't know. I I actually like just running it in exactly the same format as the actual World Cup I could see people getting like, real t- to be clear like you're acting like we're having a serious conversation <laughs> like, Tim's put forward his idea now let me counter it with mine um, uh, <laughs> because I think you write some great stories and I think look at Portugal and what they said about the World Cup yeah. how it is gonna, it's the biggest event in Portuguese rugby Bonan, and then to watch them go into the knockout stage and they get another win there some of these teams will write some real history yeah. mm. I, I I do get in previous tournaments it wouldn't have been possible because the teams just weren't good enough but now they are and we want to see more of them so I would definitely run it yes and I, I, I definitely would I, I would have that so the finals weekend I would have still two games but I'd do away with the third place playoff and just have the yeah no one wants the third place playoff the no Scot- the Scotland v Australia yeah I mean that's most likely but you don't know you it could be know. Japan could be I mean Presumably, I wouldn't be Fiji because they were out. Samoa v. Portugal. Yeah, yeah, Samoa or Tonga. Yeah. Or, there's loads of teams that can do some damage. Italy. Yeah, Italy might have found, found their feet. Although the, the Redemption Bowl. Yeah, Italy. I had high hopes for them. Not, not to be either France or New Zealand, but 
to, to get Sunday. hammered to, to be within minor. 90 more than within yeah. 90 points of yes. New Zealand that I would have backed them to do that <laughs> pre-tournament um, yeah. naivety <laughs> exactly yeah. right well there we go that's um, wrap it up. Uh, no, so, so just, on, just on England so how would you assess England's oh, okay. World Cup and the team England not the RFU England uh, how would you assess yeah. the England team I think this England team, their, their journey began in the semi-final. That, that's what I think. I don't think we saw anything like a Steve Borthwick team until then. And the future looks fairly bright under Steve Borthwick, I would say. From a pure coaching rugby systems point of view, whether he'll have the support or the players or even the political will to support him through it, I don't know. But he looks like he might be the right guy. Mm. I, we've, it, it, it is funny because we've all been a, fit, a fan of Steve Borthwick the whole time yes like, we've all said it's he's a good appointment and he, but he needs time um, some people uh, particularly after the loss to Fiji say or the dire performances against Wales and Ireland in the warm-ups were calling for his head then which is just ludicrous I think he has definitely earned the next World Cup cycle uh, I'm quite excited to see how he does the, but- the Oh, go on. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say I'm going to stop you because you used the word World Cup cycle. I think that this, the last two World Cups, is proof that this World Cup cycle talk is bollocks. I'm not sure it is. South Africa won the last one after however many months with Rassi Erasmus, and, oh, yeah. and then and then England have shown that five months of good coaching and a bit of cohesion and a bit of a, a like a solid, well coached plan, however pragmatic and simple it is can get you within a point of a World Cup final. Yeah, and an easy route to the, the final. Yeah, but to get within a point of the world champions. Yes, yeah, yeah, you can do. But, like, look at... So, my counter to that would be, look at Ireland and France. And Ireland, six months ago, were the best team in the world. Yep. And France, 18 months ago, were the best team in the world. And so they've they've kind of misjudged their cycle, because it is winning... Well, only, only one team can win it. I, mm. I know, but they, those two didn't even make a semi. And they had a harder route. Yeah. But they, you've got to win those games. Like if, if Ireland... Yeah, but I, I feel a bit harsh with that because those games were so on a knife edge. Like, it really... It was like Ronan Kelleher... Geordie Barrett doesn't get his legs under Ronan Kelleher and Ireland win. Yeah. And so they... they so I think there's an argument that <coughs> Ireland and France did everything right... And it's just if they, if they were if they were at ninety nine percent and New, well, and in the case of New Zealand they managed to go one percent above where they've been before that can be enough just to skew that margin. So uh, this this is this is World Cup. This is this is why it's quite interesting to assess. Yeah. How how, how you how you look at England and you're right that I think the. What, so you were going to finish your point about England. Sorry, Phil. Before I jumped in on the whole World Cup. Oh no no, no no! And you are right. Like the the margins between those, but you like you would look back objectively over France's last 18 months or Ireland's last six months and would they trade the Grand Slam for um, a better chance at the World Cup? Absolutely. Judging by the parting, they were quite happy with what they achieved. Well, I I actually think if you asked Ireland fans now, would would you take away the series win in New Zealand? Would you take away the Grand Slam, Six Nations titles, to get to a World Cup semi-final, I say I think they say absolutely not. Yeah, I if think you just I think, said a semi. Yeah, yes. I think the next. Oh yeah, for, for a World Cup. Uh, so I think Ireland fans will be content. I think it will be a very different conversation in four years' time if the same thing happens. Yes, which would be 
objectively hilarious if Ireland go out in the quarters <laughs> again. But we will save that for four years' time. But no, the other point I was going to make about England yeah. was, and this this is where my concern comes in. I think we all recognise um, that the Premiership is not of the same quality as it was even two or three years ago, and certainly not when Saracens and Exeter won whatever it was, four out of six um, mm. uh, Heineken Cups. And that's where I'm concerned. So the, these players, so you you will get more players being exposed to rugby because you're not bringing in as many foreigners into the league. So that's a good thing. But the overall standard of rugby and the opportunity for them to be playing those big European knockout games and yep. guys getting experience of those big European knockout games is going to be lower. And... Well, that that forges like steel sharp and steel. Um, that forges um, some of the experience that has led this England team to be able to turn it on when it counted. Um, and before you go into a conversation on that, we could talk about that in the in, in the prem pod. Exactly what I was going to mm. say. Good, brilliant. Yeah. So I, I am content with England's performance. I want. Maybe I'm being greedy because I was really proud of them in the semi final and uh, like gutted. But I, I think we need to see more because I think, not because that's how you win World Cups. I'm actually, do you know, because only one team can win a World Cup and there's some incredible rugby teams around there. So I'm more philosophical in this one and more thinking it's not about winning a World Cup. I don't give a shit about England winning a World Cup. Excuse my language. I don't care about England winning a World Cup. Let's try and win the Six Nations. And also, if that has to be quite pragmatic in the very short term, fine. But we need to see a little bit of development. All right, well... Let's end this podcast, but let's end it with yeah. a question. You can answer it in the next podcast. Which union is more stupid than Bill Sweeney and and his friends? <laughs> <laughs> Let the boys end. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.